0: Hello, and welcome to What Else You Do. I'm your host, Masao. I'm an indie producer in Montreal working for Studio Cut to Bits, And today, our guest is Stephen Akana. Please introduce yourself.
1: Hey, everyone. Uh, my name is Stephen Akana. Uh, I am a game industry professional. Uh, I've been a brand marketer for about the past eight years, uh, but have been in the game industry for around 17 years. So um, have a healthy blend of operations and uh, creative marketing. And I'm uh, uh, excited to be here today.
0: Steven and I used to know each other a very long time ago, <laughs> before I entered the games industry. Strangely enough, when I think back to the, uh, the, the place we met, you know, like uh, Patrick and Alexei's apartment, a lot of people ended up going into the games industry.
1: You know, Alexei did, um, you know, he worked on Parking Lot Dash and stuff like that. And then he started, he's been teaching game design elements, I think, at San Francisco State. And I then uh, Patrick also done a lot in games. Uh, Karen, she was doing a lot yeah. in games. Like, all of us kind of really lucked into that into that yeah. path. And <laughs> I remember, like, I, I, I was working at Whole Foods at the time, and Patrick had an interview at Sega for a QA job. And it's funny, I tell people this story all the time, because... Growing up as a kid, I wasn't a, a Genesis gamer. I was a Nintendo kid, so my impressions of Genesis gamers was very colored. So I go to this this interview where they're just like, "Oh, you know, like it's it's a it's a temp position for for QA," and I go into this office and they're just like this kind of chubby guy comes up and he's just like, "Are you guys here for the interview?" Well, I'll just take both of you. And he just pulls both of us into this like dark room that had like a pile over in the corner, which was just like a bunch of tables and chairs just thrown into a pile. I'm sitting on a rolled up like carpet roll with with Patrick next to me. And he's just like asking us like a couple questions about like, you know, what games are you playing? And I mean like, you know, and so this is back in the day and I, and I was just like, uh, you probably don't know what I'm playing. These like, ah, oh, try me. And I was like, well I'm playing um, was it Tennisuno Jisama? uh smash hit two or something like that and he was just like uh yeah i, I don't know what this shit is um, <laughs> but it was like a five minute like quick like hey who are you and then it was like yep y'all got the job so go for it and i'm like sitting in this room sitting on literal trash and i'm like looking around and i was like "Ah, this seems about about right <laughs> <laughs> no. i mean i have a lot of love for sega i mean i was there for 10 years um but uh, it was
0: it was a very interesting way to start first experience in yeah for sure my experience is slightly different. After graduating from college, I was like I had no marketable skill other than translation because, like, I had a political science degree. Uh, a friend of mine pointed out that Ubisoft had an opening for a translator, and so I applied to a Craigslist ad. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, I think, when I tell people now, it's like, "Whoa, yeah!" And then I got a job as a translator, and. That was 15 years ago. Time flies, doesn't it?
1: <laughs> it really does. I mean, even like with like this past two years with kind of the, the COVID changeover and a lot of uh, work from home changeover for a lot of the games industry,
0: mm-hmm.
1: the fact that it's been almost two years, like it, it really, it feels like it's been forever and not at the same time, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, and then I think about like, you know, I, I just recently left um, Bandai Namco. And when taking the amount of time that I was working from home, that was about almost a third of the time that I was there yet. Like it's, it still feels like I, I had done so much packed into that first four years prior to this, this changeover. So, I mean, I guess four years is a long time, but when you think about like game development, you could be working on something where like, what was it? Code Vein. I think I was, I was publicly marketing that for like two and a half years you never want to do something like that. Ever. <laughs> like, 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 like you're trying to k- maintain interest and hype and you're just kind of like, yeah, it's been like, you know, two years of me trying to, to get you into this like new original IP. Like, hey, yeah.
0: Yeah. That's, that's, that's long. Yeah. I definitely feel you. Yeah, I, I started, um, I co-founded the studio in, in the summer of 2019. So yeah, like almost the entirety of our new studio has been in, kind of COVID lockdown, or various kind of level of COVID lockdown. Like I'm, I'm actually at the studio, but I'm generally the only person that comes in.
1: Is your whole team based in Montreal? Or did the changeover kind of open things up where you're like, well, maybe I should, you know, source some some team members? you know
0: remotely we've thought about it but uh we haven't actually hired a whole lot like we co-founded the studio with five people and we have six people now mm-hmm. so so we've only done one hire and the, the only hire that we did was local but mm-hmm. was more had to do with the fact that uh, he was recommended by a good friend of ours and yeah we're i mean i think going forward we're definitely a lot more open to like uh remote work because like we know that it works like before you know all of us came from triple background and we all never have really kind of we don't have positive experience we didn't have positive experience with like remote work because like co-development is always like super difficult and a lot of times like there's like studio politics and stuff so like we had really negative associations it's uh it's been a learning experience like we know we can do it even moving forward i think there are certain things that we would like to keep things like um you know player feels is really hard to do Mm. when like you can't be in the same room together so i think stuff like that will continue to try to be together but i think things like art is really easy to kind of work with uh, people remotely certain types of programming is going to be pretty is pretty easy i'm i'm getting way into the weeds but uh, (laughs) but uh this is part of our asian game developers working in the west interview series so let's uh talk about that so what's your what's your ethnic background
1: so i'm uh half chinese and one eighth japanese and three eighths like a mixture of european caucasian so like english german french Okay, it's a little bit less less specific than the Asian side. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's funny because, like, I, I have I have you know my last name is Akana, so it's it and it's uh, Akai no Aka or, or yeah. Nama no Na, so like yeah. red name. And I have a Japanese middle name as well, Seiji. But I, I, actually, I always joke that in, in like ja- <laughs> these two Japanese companies I work for, they're always just like, "Oh, you know, Stephen is is very Japanese," and I'm just like, "Oh,
0: me say <laughs> <laughs> But I still. I didn't realize i I thought, I thought you were half Japanese this mm. whole time. I mean, like, and it's funny because like I speak
1: some Japanese, but it's, it's just from, you know, stuff that I learned in college um, okay. and then just, you know, playing a lot of Japanese video games, watching anime. But and I speak like literally no Chinese. Like I would love to say that I speak like some or like a child's Chinese. But then anyone who's my friend who speaks Chinese is like, you're a liar. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the I have one friend who, who will tell me that my accent is very funny. And I'm like, funny how? And he's like, well, funny like bad. <laughs> like, it's, it's just <laughs> unintelligible. And I'm like, well, whatever. I don't have the okay. embouchure, I guess, for, for Cantonese. So
0: <laughs> Okay. So but that how... was
1: a hard thing for me as a kid, like, yeah. you know, being mixed. And I went to Chinese school as like a very little kid. And there was this kind of like, you know, dual life that you had where, you know, your regular school, our regular school was very, very white and um so you know you are like a, 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 a like a chinese doll to them you know because it's just like oh porcelain skin black hair like you know like your your kids are pulling their eyes back at you the whole time you're just like wow this is different but then you go to your chinese school and because you're not fluent and you know you are you know appear to be mixed then you're also kind of ostracized there where you know you're not Chinese enough, um, Mm. you know, or Asian enough. So growing up, I felt very between multiple worlds, compounded Mm -hmm. by the fact that, you know, I'm I'm a part of the LGBTQIA plus community. So that other sense of othering kind of was just this layer that, you know. But I think that, you know, it's it's something where I wouldn't want it to have been any different. You know, it gave me a tough enough skin, it made me really empathetic towards other people. Um, you know, so it's tough for kids though. Yeah. When you think about that type of stuff.
0: Yeah. So was it, um, how was it to be in Chinese school with a Japanese name? Did people know or people care? Um,
1: No, I think because like, you know, my mom also, you know, she's, she's speaking to them in Chinese, like when, like they're dropping me off. So I, I don't even know if it was really something that, that they really dug into. Um, but, you know, it's something where, you know, as, as a kid, I was just, I was very, I don't know, just very naive to like, you know, um, if, if people had, uh, negative, uh, intentions or something like that, you know, I just wore my heart on my sleeve and was just like very open to things and very confused when <laughs> that, that type of openness wasn't necessarily well-received,
0: but, okay. you know. So, um, So your mother is quarter Japanese, I guess. Uh, My dad's a quarter Japanese. Oh, your your my mom's
1: uh, half Chinese. Yeah.
0: Oh, half Chinese. No, my
1: mom's full Chinese. Sorry. Yeah.
0: Okay, that is an interesting combination. So, how did your dad end up being quarter Japanese in his generation? That seems like a pretty unusual, especially since he he kept his name right, like the.
1: His father, uh, or or my my grandpa, was drafted by both the um, the Japanese and U.S. Army for World War Two. Yeah, because he was a he was a pilot, and uh, the basically he was given this like ultimatum from both sides of like you can choose to you have to get rid of your your citizenship on one side or the
0: other. Yeah,
1: Um, so he chose to to you know be a U.S. citizen. Threw away everything on the Japanese side, okay, um, and then married a uh, you know a white lady from Tennessee. So you know that's okay. Kind of how. But I mean, but yeah, so um, yeah, no, and then that's kind of how that that math, I guess, came. Oh no, but okay. his his dad is 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 half. So I guess his parents. I think they were. I think his parents were Issei. Okay. Um, and then he was second generation, or at least one of his parents was Yusei.
0: Okay, so basically two generations of marrying white ladies. Yep. <laughs> and then <laughs> that's that's pretty unusual, it's, right? It's like
1: pretty progressive at the time, I too. I mean, fear, like because the my Chinese father, Exclusion Act, like in, yeah. in effect, uh, you know the. The active like demasculization of of Asian men like yeah. around that time. I mean, you know, cleaning up shop like like locking down some white ladies. I mean, yeah. good job. Pre World War Two, yeah,
0: like because my so my my dad's Japanese and uh, my parents got married in the seventies, and even then, it was extremely unusual for a Japanese man and a and a, a Caucasian woman to get together. So. Yeah. yeah,
1: it's it, and and like, and also from like the location of where he's from. I mean, like, they when you know, um, they were in Tennessee, Pennsylvania, like okay. these very, you know, very white
0: locations, you know. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How Asian do you feel?
1: It like if I was to fill out a like a form, like a government yeah. form. I always look for mixed just okay. because I don't like people knowing like my business necessarily. Um, and I feel like that's probably the most factual to it. But if there's no mixed option, I'm going to pick Asian American or Asian Pacific Islander. Mm-hmm. I do consider myself just Asian. Like, I mean, I, I, I do consider, I mean, like if I was to really think of like, you know, what's the main way that you would speak about your nationality, I would say Hapa, mm-hmm. just because like being raised by, you know, my, my mom would always be like, you know, Hoppa boy, So, and that and that term I feel like has a has a positive kind of I don't know feeling around it for me. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, you know, a way of being able to describe someone who's who's mixed and my mom always characterized it as like, you know, you got to take on all of the best things from from, you know, all the different nationalities that you're a part of. You know, so but I also don't necessarily feel like even though sometimes people like, will like I've had people like confused and be like, Oh, you're Asian. And I'm like, am I not presenting Asian? Like, is that, is that like a thing? But you know, I guess at different times in my life, I can look more or less Asian. I I don't know. Um, Hmm. I always just feel like, you know, I've, 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 as, as you get older, you know, like how, like when you look at pictures of yourself as like a kid and you're just kind of like, wow, like. I I don't look like I'm mixed at all. Like, I feel like I was just like, you know, Chinese baby. And it could have been like, you know, the bowl cut haircut or something like that. Um, I mean, like, you know, there's lots of stylizing that could have happened to make me feel that way. But I mean, I feel like as I've grown older, there's certain traits that maybe aren't as strong, you know, like maybe it's because I don't have like a full head of black hair anymore. uh, Being bald.
0: (laughs) So, you know, I I don't know. I think you look, you still look pretty Asian to me, but that's uh,
1: what I think too. Right.
0: (laughs) I don't know. Growing up in Japan, I always felt like I didn't look Asian at all, and I still, like, I don't think I look very Asian, but I don't know. Some people tell me I do, so it's hard to, it's kind of hard to tell with yourself, because you look at yourself every day, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, have to have, uh try hard to have a impartial perspective on. <laughs>
1: well, also, like, if you're, you know, because like, you're, you're your mom's white, mm-hmm. and that thing where it's like when you look at your face and you see bits of your parents in your face Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: I, and it's like both my parents, they, they both present very Asian. So, you know, the, when I'm seeing their face in my face, there's not like this kind of juxtaposition of like seeing like uh, if my dad was like, like completely Caucasian and seeing like a white face and then being like, Oh, I'm seeing that a lot in, in my face itself. So I'm sure that that probably plays into a bit of your own, your own kind of like visual rationalization of, of seeing mm-hmm. yourself because you're seeing a lot of your mother in there as well.
0: Yeah. I don't and know. My mom I, I... is like super white too. Like she's blonde and blue eyes, like super pale. <laughs> 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 One of the things that has kind of come up when we're talking about like how, you know, how Asian we feel is kind of how the environment has a huge impact on it. Like, when you're in a specific locale that is maybe, like, more Asian, you feel, you know, you feel one way. And then, like, if you go to somewhere else that has, like, way less Asian people, you feel another.
1: I mean, I definitely took for granted the amount of Asian, Asian people, but specifically Chinese and specifically Cantonese-speaking Chinese people. The quantity that you have in the Bay Area, oh yeah, in San Francisco, you know, it's it's something where, you know, until you leave, you don't really realize like how special that is,
0: mm-hmm. um, and
1: that's why when you hear and see all these things about the over gentrification of Chinatown and and people just being like kind of pushed out, uh, cost wise, like how losing something like that is just it, it just breaks my heart.
0: Yeah,
1: it's irreplaceable. But, you know, but I mean, like I went to you know I, I grew up in Berkeley, and you know Berkeley is very multicultural, and people regard Berkeley as like you know being very progressive. And the thing is that like you know, children are still just like you know terrible, and people are still just terrible. <laughs> like I mean, like you're not, like to to think like you know when I tell people about like you know being, you know, um, the I, I was always kind of harassed for some reason as a kid, and. Mm-hmm. The younger I go, there was a certain point where it like it pivoted and it was just kind of like I was made fun for being um, like fat or gay. But prior to that was always Asian, you know, and it's just like, you know, kids like ching chonging you, pulling their eyes back at you, like the that that song that nee nee, nee 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 like i always oh, yeah. joke that that's like my theme song like it's like it just plays when you like walk into a room because like kids would just sing that shit to you all the time yeah um and it's one of those things where i've i've i've, I've always talked about like how a lot of people feel like they can just be casually racist towards asian people because they see asian people as like as um non-aggressive Mm-hmm. You know, like like they're passive; they're not going to pipe up about it. So it's like an easy punching bag.
0: Yeah, which it's not a minority. True.
1: It's like I always I I call it like um the, the way you say grandma in Chinese popo, and so like I would always call it the popo syndrome, where it's like you know when someone's trying to get your attention, you just clutch your purse really hard and you look down at the ground and you just keep walking. Yeah, that's that's popo syndrome, and because of that kind of the Generally, you know, Asian people don't want to make a scene, like it's just kind mm-hmm. of like, you know, hey, just fuck off, leave me alone And I think that that's really played into a lot of the the need for a campaign for stopping Asian hate mm-hmm. because it's something that can really become invisible because no one wants to draw that type of attention
0: you know? yeah
1: for sure um, but I think that the the there's a lot of just kind of casual racism that goes towards. Asian people, which is which is unfortunate, you know. Yeah. Like I, I'd like to see there be more more change, and I don't think that there's going to be more change until there's just better representation. For sure, you know. Like I mean, I was just watching Shang Chi with my parents uh, on Thanksgiving, and I mean, like that that movie just bowled me over. Like I was just kind of like so fucking happy and proud, and just being like, man, this is this is the type of shit that I wanted to see as a child you know like like anytime i saw an asian person on tv i was just like 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 we exist on tv too like this is amazing and just being able to to see this movie that just like it wasn't trying to whitewash anything and it wasn't trying to i I don't know like it just it was just it just was what it was and it just felt so wonderful just a story that i wanted more people to be able to experience and see Know?
0: Sure, I totally understand, like, you know, media representation is super important. Like, I think mm-hmm. growing up in Japan, like, there's almost no representation of anybody that's not Japanese. And that was definitely tough, you know, like, I... was weird because, you know, like, I, I look at Western media and then there's, like, all these white people. And, like, and then... But I didn't feel like them. And then going, you know, watching Japanese TV and I definitely didn't feel like them. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I really didn't feel like I had a whole lot of role models growing up. So, mm. yeah, I can definitely un- appreciate the you know the importance of like seeing yourself reflected into the into the media.
1: And it's funny because like I think a lot of that notion of of representation and the value of that type of representation, I think just like over time, more people are starting to understand that. But you know, there is this kind of naive like you know i've never had to think about something like that so wow yeah. like i mean like you know like my husband is is um is caucasian and i've explained some of these things to him before and, and there's this kind of like road of education that that we go through sometimes because there's things that he just simply can't empathize with he's he's never he's never experienced it himself and that thought has never been something that he's really had to like chew on before. So there's occasionally times where (laughs) our conversations can be a little bit more educational in that sense, Mm -hmm. but it reveals to me like where, you know, he is, he, I might say previously that people were more conveniently like, like willfully ignorant about some stuff and how that's like, just as bad as being Mm -hmm. like you know shitty but i it's kind of diluted a bit of my frustrations with things on like kind of like a greater public point of view where i can look at like my husband and be like you know everyone deserves a chance to to learn in a environment that accommodates them you know it's one of those things where it's like you know i don't i won't get obstinate about like oh. I need to be afforded a certain type of thing, or I'm not going to afford someone else this because it wasn't afforded to me, you know? So he ends up being a very good <laughs> kind of sounding board for me. So I can kind of like tamp down a bit of my frustrations with the public at large, I guess. <laughs> a great Let's... intro to my husband, right? You know, in the way that I <laughs> described that. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Cause like he's, he's, he's also, he, he comes from Florida. So he, He was very sheltered, you know, Mm -hmm. culturally um, for a long time. He hadn't, we were just talking about like just a couple days ago, how he had never had a burrito before he came out here. He'd never had any Asian food ever. Like he had never tasted like, you know, his, his parents don't, don't really like spice or or, um, spices. So, you know, different (laughs) (laughs) spices, you know, like salt, you know, stuff like that. Um, But I mean, like you know, his his favorite food now is like Korean food. Like that's like you know, if if we wanted to have like our ultimate, like go someplace fancy and feel like kings, we'll go and get Korean food. But he loves Indian food, curry stuff like that. Like you know, it's I'm, I'm very proud of him in that sense. But, uh, but he's
0: uh, ventured out of his comfort zone.
1: <laughs> it's 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 he's ventured very far. I mean, that comfort zone was was tight, <laughs> limited. You know, like I I didn't know what he would eat. I think he only ate like like Publix fried chicken and like mac and cheese. And that was, wow. that was it. Like no, no other color beyond like, like you know. beige <laughs> yeah, <laughs> khaki. <laughs> no, it's all, it's all beige carbs, you know? Uh,
0: let's pivot to the games industry. How do you think being Asian has affected your experience?
1: It hasn't played too much of a specific role. I think that sometimes like, because of like in the last, the last company that I worked, um, our marketing team was like seventy-five percent Chinese, which was kind of cool. Like I was just kind of like, "Oh wow!" Like I have I have this like Chinese friend crew that I always wanted that I never <laughs> had before.
0: But I guess working in marketing in the Bay Area, that's probably not like a terribly unusual thing to happen.
1: No, no. But I mean, I think you know, it was it was special that we were you know within our whole marketing team. I want to say almost everyone was a uh, person of color mm-hmm. and our uh, gender balance like we had a lot of uh, a lot of females that worked on our team which was uh, great because you know in the games industry it can be very sausage heavy yeah. it's weird like i think that there was maybe times where maybe the outside perspective being in a japanese publishing organization that people who aren't asian might assume that asian people are getting favoritism Mm -hmm. there's politics that's really heavy in like a lot of of businesses and you know especially in Japanese companies I mean like super heavy politics but I don't think that necessarily I think having a Japanese last name helped with the mother office you know like where I'm working with Japanese people and they see my name and like you know one it's Japanese so it's already like you have like kind of a step closer mm-hmm. it when you take my my name for email which is like first initial last name sakana so people always <laughs> laugh and be like yeah. oh it's mr fish
0: that is pretty funny.
1: and yeah so i mean it, it was always like i always had like kind of like a nice icebreaker. yeah um you know and i think having a very very limited japanese understanding and willingness to speak a little bit helped a lot because i mean you could even you're just saying like you know maybe it's a couple words here maybe it's like some kind of like japan english you know yeah.
0: like um well uh, people appreciate making an effort right yeah. so yeah and the japanese like i feel like their expectation is that the japanese relationship with the united states is kind of complicated anyway like there's the whole colonial relationship so they kind of Don't expect Americans to kind of make efforts. So when you do, I think they really do appreciate it.
1: Mm. It's also funny because like there's this there was always this kind of like you know oh Stephen knows Japanese be careful speaking around (laughs) him because he can understand what you're saying and it's like for the most part like I can uh, when it comes to just like very casual conversation I can Mm -hmm. understand that very easily. when it gets into like, you know, the, my vocabulary ends up being like my biggest Achilles heel because let's say you're, you're listening to a whole sentence and you just don't know the verb. It throws the whole thing off and I'm like, I don't know what you are yeah. saying. <laughs> you know, like it's. I've or you lost. don't
0: know the adjective. Like it is good or bad. Like the, mm-hmm. the those are opposite sentences and I don't know which one is which.
1: <laughs> or like someone has like a really heavy bend and you just, and you don't know that oh. it's just like, oh, like you're. You're from Hiroshima, so that's why you're speaking this way versus Uh, like, oh, you're saying words that I don't know.
0: I mean, I'm Um, Japanese and I grew up in Japan. And there are certain areas that if I go to, like, I remember calling a friend of mine that I, uh, like, we met in San Francisco. And uh, we were both in Japan and we were supposed to meet up in Tokyo. So I called her and her dad picked up. And I swear to God, the the whole sentence, the only word I understood was her name. (laughs) Like, I just assumed she wasn't there because, like, he wasn't handing the phone to her. So I was like, okay, I will call back later.
1: (laughs) It's tough. Like, because it it reminds me of, like, when I have really bad, um, uh, I'm, like, lyric blind when listening to music. Mm-hmm. So that's why like whenever I do like karaoke, it's it's like this weird, like, oh, that's what they're singing about, like <laughs> crazy. Uh or like when I have friends that can like like just rattle off songs from the 90s that they know like back to back, and I'm just kind of like, I'm not that person. Like I just I I can't, like with with lyrics and and with with lyric comprehension. So when listening to someone speaking, like I find myself like kind of like leaning in closer and closer, like closing my eyes, trying to just like concentrate on what they're saying because if they end up having any sort of mush mouth, then I'm just like, I don't know yeah. what you're
0: saying at all. Yeah, sorry about it. For sure,
1: but it's something well, where it's like I, I've 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 really appreciated that you know that extra, I guess, element that I can bring when working with with um, uh, Japanese colleagues is that kind of you know I'm going to try to express myself in a way that like lets you know that I like I'm not just some bullshit marketer you know mm-hmm. like I, I know what I'm speaking about I understand culturally like you know the way to be able to speak and work with you you mm-hmm. know um because there's so many things where it's just kind of like you know you take any random westerner you throw them into like a Japanese business structure and they're just kind of like why would you do it this way and it's like because it's the way that it's done
0: Yeah, <laughs> history tradition. Hmm. cultural context yeah it's quite complicated yeah
1: americans don't really have very many traditions beyond things that are like like hallmark traditions so
0: <laughs> i mean maybe superstitions I don't know, like i well i mean american corporate structure does differ from other places one of the things that i've seen more is that i think strength the the strongman is very common within the american corporate structure like you get like you know like the the elon musk's and like the jeff bezos who is this like single iconic person that has the opinions you know mm. and i think you see that even in smaller levels too like in a marketing department there's like the marketing director and he's like he's the one that you can't really disagree with like i i feel like you see that more in American organizations than in uh, European or Japanese. The Japanese are very, like, committee-based a lot of times.
1: Oh, yeah. They love a committee.
0: Yeah. Like, a lot of times you you have a meeting with them and they won't give you an answer. They'll come back. They'll come back to you. I think there is, like, American business customs, but it's I think it's more subtle, as, mm-hmm. as you say, than, the, like, the Japanese are so overt, you know? Like... <laughs> So
1: there's definitely like, you can have a thick, thick handbook, (laughs) but I love it. I mean, like, I think there's definitely a lot of things that I, I I disagree with, you know, um, I mean, just because of, you know, culturally there's some things where, you know, the, the Japanese can be a little bit behind in, in social equity, but there is this kind of the element of honor that goes into your work across whatever job that you do. Like, I, I, I love that way of, of looking at things and, and nothing is below you or should be mm-hmm. below Everything has, a, has and deserves an amount of respect for it. There's something that's really cool about that. Mm. I know that not everyone thinks that way. but I, think I mean, there's yeah, like...
0: there's assholes everywhere, but like, <laughs> I feel like expected behavior among the Japanese people generally oh. is more respectful of each other than, than uh, maybe hierarchical structure. Yeah, the value of, of
1: of you know treat you know others better than you would want to be treated yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's nice. It's it's a it's something that I think it it those notions. You know, I, I was raised very uh, our, our family was going like through this born again Christian phase, so had a lot of religious upbringing where I feel like those those stories, those parables, those types of things, like really try to telegraph like this this idea of like be better towards other people. But then it's all gotten like so clouded where it's like, you know, people don't want to look at religion for that type of stuff anymore. So yeah. um, just because it's, it's turned into such like a, I don't know, for me, it's turned into a very hateful place. But
0: um, Well, I mean, it's Christianity is, is, is a mystery because like you have this religion that's really centered around like self-sacrifice and love. Yet like the way that it is practiced in a lot of places is just so much on like centers around hate and, like, other... not taking
1: or, responsibility yeah, for Yeah, I'm not taking...
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, like, I was
1: just talking to my no, friend about this no yesterday. Sacrifice.
0: Zero self-sacrifice. She was,
1: <laughs> she was trying to say a, a crown of thorns, and she was saying, like, a thorn of crowns. Um, but, like, she was just, like, like thinking about, like, that imagery of, like, you know, of, of like, this, this man with, like, you know, blood running down his head, like, with a cross on his back, like, carrying it around, like, how, like, that's, like, this, like, sign of salvation, <laughs> where it's just kind of like you know yeah it's it's a weird it's yeah. a weird image and it's something where you know it's someone else dying for your sins like you know this this kind of thing where it's like you don't have to take any responsibility for yourself i don't know like i i yeah i I, just- I want i want i want i want to have a better perspective on just religion at large and i want to be more hopeful that it can be a helpful thing for people because like you know i mean anything right
0: like i've definitely seen people who religion was a positive thing in their life but Mm -hmm. and you know it made them better people and but yeah like it seems like the mainstream christianity right now doesn't really give that get off give off those vibes
1: It's just very hateful right now, you know, although like there's, there's those pockets again, like, you know, there's those, those, those pockets of, of ministries and like pastors and stuff who, who really kind of like buck a trend of, you know, these kind of archaic absolutes that were like, you know, written on paper um, not a long time ago, probably like, you know, 50 years ago during some (laughs) sort of like, you know, book update. Um, But I, but I, 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 I look at that and, you know, it makes me hopeful because I think that, you know, I'm not one of those people who is like, you know, religion is is poisonous and we would be better without it. I think that, you know, that type of perspective is just as shitty. Yeah. Um, but I really would hope that there's a, <laughs> a more supportive structure for people that kind of taught them a little bit more about understanding and, you know, practice what you preach and things like that, you know, not selective reading and selective faith and things.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, um, I think uh, we've been going for a while. So let's, let's wrap up. So my last question is like, give us, give us an Asian thought.
1: Mm -hmm. Asian thought.
0: I mean, you're Asian, and the mm-hmm. thought is yours. So theoretically, any thought that you come up with is an Asian thought. But, <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I, know, I guess my Asian thought, my thoughts have been centered around like so. My my biggest hobby outside of of work, because you know work kind of takes over your whole life when you're working games, um, has been gardening. Um, the, the past couple of years has been um, focusing on growing a lot of edible plants in my garden because I'm working from home and I quit smoking finally, um, because of COVID. Um, so I wanted something to be able to walk outside and just pick to eat rather than going outside and smoking a cigarette. Sounds so romantic, right? (laughs) Um, but my thought would be that people should take more time to really think about what makes them happy and don't sacrifice that. You know, I've a lot of people have just been talking to me lately. um, A lot of Asian friends actually have been talking to me lately about a lot of just these sacrifices that they're making and stuff. And they're not even in like a happy place. Um, And like, you know, the the happenings of the past couple years with COVID, with just kind of like social issues with, you know, the constant onslaught of injustice towards black people, all these things that like, you know, just really has been really bad, really negative, really heavy for people. I think that it's important to take a look at what makes you happy and really, I don't know. Just lean into it and enjoy it because you know life is short. If you find something that you like, get into it, man. You know, I, I would I would hate to just be one of those people that just kind of like floated around and really didn't have any purpose, didn't really have any desire for anything. You know, just lay down in a coffin. Like that's just sad. You know. Uh-huh. So, and and it can and that can happen from from plenty of different things. Like you know, like that hustle focus on like your know, your career, thinking about like you know having to. You know, if, you're, if, you're, uh, if your job doesn't end up leaving you with any sort of financial stability and trying to like you know chase that, but I think that if you're constantly chasing a lot of shoulds, that you're not really enjoying yourself, and when you can finally take time to enjoy yourself, you're going to really discover much more about what moves you, a lot more about the world around you, and people who are happy and making the world a better place for themselves. I feel like make the world a better place for others around them as well. Um, But yeah, so that's kind of like my thought is just, you know, and I I mean, maybe that's an Asian thought because again, being raised, you know, Asian, kind of like that tiger mommy, like sort of an A minus is not an A. (laughs) Always, (laughs) Always shoot for the best and always be doing. It can be, it can be hard to sometimes think that, you should make time for yourself for what might be considered selfish or not functional reasons. But, um, that's the spice of life. <laughs> Do something that your tiger mom would really hate. <laughs> <That's a proven. laughs> exactly.
0: Well, thank you very much. And, uh, it was great talking to you and, um, yeah, have a good day. Yeah. Thanks. Sarah. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Dave Wallace for providing the music. And thank you to Therese Lance for providing the logo. Bye.